Father, we love you, Lord. We need you, God. Thank you for this time that we have together to worship you, to give you glory. And uh, God, we want to ask that you deal with our hearts. You're worthy. You're worth our lives being in a place of surrender, submission, uh, obedience, devotion. God, you have to work in our heart. Uh, we don't see any other way. And, and so, Lord, we're not demanding, we're pleading. Uh, Lord, we're asking that you would do what only you can do. And so, God, I pray that you'd speak to each of us right where we're at. Help us to see the reality of, of, of what the resp- over who you are in our life. Help us to see the reality of what the response should be in each of us. Uh, Lord, you are worthy. God, I pray that, that you'd find in us a people whose hearts and lives are yielded to you. God, thank you uh, that we can worship you in song, in testimony. Thank you that we can worship you in receiving, applying your word to our lives. We want to worship you in spirit and in truth. Thank you that we can worship you in our tithes and offering, our sacrificial giving. God, would you speak to each of us, work in our heart about Giving Tuesday and the Fatherless Fund. We ask that, that you would use us to be a, a, a big tactical, a big practical blessing in the lives of, of, of widows, orphans, uh, the fatherless. Lord, please, would you use us to, to you know, we don't want to just pray blessing for them. We want to be also a, a physical blessing. And, and so, Lord, help us to, help us to give sacrificially. And then, Lord, uh, I pray that out of that, um, that those gifts in Jesus' name, that, that children who have suffered greatly, they'd know that you're a good father and that you love them. God, help us to not just give in Jesus' name, but to live, uh, to live Christ, to live in Jesus' name. We ask this, we ask your blessing over our lives. Amen. Okay, so wrapping up Thanksgiving weekend, uh, Colossians chapter three is where I'd like us to camp out. And I'd like us to think about this. You know, the question that I'd like to put on the floor this morning is this, are you thankful this weekend or are you focused on how life has hurt you? How you've been betrayed, the pain that life inevitably brings pain to everyone at some time. Um, Are you thankful or or are you focused on the latest betrayal that's come into your life? Uh, whatever it is, the world will give you a thousand days, a thousand ways to, to just refuse thankfulness and, and get you tracking toward bitterness. That's just how life in the flesh in this world works. So you have to decide up front whether or not you're gonna surrender to God's command to thankfulness. If you do not, you will, mark it down, you will end up bitter because life will come at you Okay, it will come at you, it will come at you hard. It will come at you in a, in a, in a very difficult fashion. Uh, everyone faces an evil day, and it will trip you up if you're not careful. If you refuse thankfulness, and your response to how life comes at you, I just gotta tell you, there's nothing worse than a Christian who is full of bitterness over how others respond to their own sin. In refusing thankfulness, in, in refusing faith, uh, because life brings us hard times, uh, 
and we don't respond in faith, we don't respond in Christ, in the word of Christ, well then, you know, you react in the flesh and, and people don't applaud you, they don't, they don't join with you in your misery, and you end up bitter not just at your circumstances, but at everyone around you. I pray that this morning God would help us to see everything that we have in Christ. And so by way of introduction, a little bit of background. Uh, let's just overview Colossians in a couple minutes. In Colossians chapter one, you need to see who you are and what you have in Christ. And that's the prayer uh, for God's people. Once you see who you are, everything that you have, everything that Christ has done in your life, you recognize you're rich, you are blessed, you will not have a reason to be full of complaint, bitterness. Um, you, are, you are rich. You are, of all people, most blessed. In Colossians chapter two, you'll see the practical, tactical issues of our faith. There are spiritual issues. There are sp spiritual battles that we face. But you also see in chapter two our victory in Christ, and there's a warning against the dangers of, of being legalistic, of being caught in a religious system versus who you are, the relationship that you have in the person of Jesus Christ. And then in Colossians chapter three, we see now this point of decision in the life of every believer. Will you have a, a heavenly focus? Will you have a, an affection for Christ? Or will you give your life in worldly pursuit? That's really the agenda of Colossians chapter three. So let's pick it up in verse one. I'm just gonna review, we wanna get on down into Colossians chapter three to, to look at what God would have for us this morning. But in verse one it says, if ye then be risen with Christ. How many this morning would say, I am risen with Christ. I know Christ is my sin bearer, I'm born again, I've been saved, I'm risen with Christ. So most of us. Um, well then, you ought to live Christ. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth, on the right hand of God. Well, there's a lot of things to seek in this world, aren't there? Aren't there, I mean, careers, um, uh, resources, property, things, relationships. I mean, there's a lot of things to seek after in this world, but the command of Scripture is to seek, uh, to seek those things which are above. Verse two, continue, set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. Whenever you get an eternal perspective, you know that the earth the fashion of this earth, the, the fashion of this world, the course of this world, the earth and all that's contained in it will ultimately be destroyed. So there's no future there. So set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth, for ye are dead and your life is hid with Christ and God. Why would I seek satisfaction from the things of this earth whenever I am now dead in Christ. I'm dead to the world, the world is dead to me. Why am I gonna to try to make a life for myself here? The best I can do biblically in this world is recognize I'm a visitor on planet Earth. I'm an ambassador for Christ. This world is not my home. I'm here for a season where I can serve my king. So, verse three, for ye are dead, your life is hid with Christ and God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then, sh then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Now, now we start getting into it in verse five. How do we live Christ in this current worldly setting? Verse five says, put to death, mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth. 
okay, your flesh has, uh, you know, it's not saved. It's still dead in its sin, and it has appetites and desires. It has an agenda uh, that is not God-honoring. Its agenda is what Jesus actually had to save you from. So how you live in the flesh, let's list it out. Fornication, what's fornication? Fornication is the F word of the Bible. It's sex outside of marriage. Fornication. That's in the members of your flesh. Uncleanness. Uncleanness is just filthy living. It's kind of the definitions baked into the word, right? Uncleanness, filthy living. Put away filthy living. Inordinate affection. What's inordinate affection? Well, it's not ordained, right? Inordinate affection. That's out of bounds, dishonoring lust. That's inordinate affection. It's not, it's not a proper affection. It's an out of bounds affection. It's dishonoring Evil concupiscence, okay, so you've got out of bounds dishonoring lust and then you can go next level to just plain old evil evil lust. Uh, By the way, that's how it works. You go from lusty to perverse. Uh, It's always a downward spiral. And covetousness, covetousness is when you're longing for something that wasn't yours. God didn't give it to you, it doesn't belong to you. You're longing for what belongs to another, and the Bible calls it idolatry. Covetousness, which is idolatry. Why is it idolatry? Well, because you're looking to that thing that does not belong to you, that God did not give to you, it belongs to another. You're looking to that versus the Lord himself as the object of personal fulfillment. I would be happy, Um, Jesse is a friend of mine, I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, but I wish I had Jesse's girl. I wish I had Jesse's girl. I wish she'd be mine. Uh, th- yeah, that's, that's idolatry, it's covetousness. So that's, that's all of that, right? The members, of the, that's bad living. And what's the result? Look at verse six. The members of the flesh have an agenda that put you in trouble with God Almighty. Verse six, for which things? For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. This is how the lost live and it's what signs them up for God's destruction. Psalms 7 verse 11 says, God judgeth the righteous and God is angry with the wicked every day. So God has a righteous judgment. It's, it's, it's always in motion against the wicked. He's angry against the wicked. It, at the same time though, the Bible's very clear that God loves the world. Even though all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, and the wages of sin is death, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. The wages of sin is death, but man, there's life in the person of Jesus Christ. This is why John chapter three, verse 36 says, he that believeth on the son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not on the son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him so our, the members of our flesh gets us into big trouble, not just with our fellow man, but with our creator. He's angry with the wicked every day, but he's not willing that any would perish, and so he gave his son to satisfy his wrath over our wickedness. Jesus took our place, suffering God's wrath over our sin. Man, that's love. Okay, so the lost, that's how they live. If you're saved, that's actually not you anymore. And lost living is not for you anymore. Look at verse seven. In the which 
You also walked some time when you lived in them. That's how you lived, satisfying the members, the lusts of the flesh. You didn't mortify them, you just followed that will of the flesh and, and, and that's how you lived. But that's not you anymore. You don't live lost in the flesh anymore because now you live in Christ. You are to live in him. Philippians 1.21 says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. To mortify my members and to live Christ, that's everything. So a believer goes from trusting in living their life in the flesh to trusting in the person and in the word of Christ. That's now how we live. I don't do what my flesh wants anymore. I do what my king, my creator wants. Uh, Now, you know, there's a constant battle. Every day I'm either walking in the flesh or I'm walking in the spirit, I'm walking in the word, but that is the spiritual battle. I'm to now abide, I'm to live, I'm to trust in the person and the word of Christ. So this is now verse eight. This brings us to what I want us to focus on this morning. How, do, how does the believer live? What's the believer's way now in Christ? Verse eight says, but now ye also put off all these. So mortify the members of the flesh, put off its agenda. What is the agenda of the flesh? Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy. Anger, you know what anger and wrath are, malice. The evil intent that some people will have toward others, toward their fellow man going through life. Blasphemy, that's slandering someone. In the case of blasphemy against God, what are you doing? You're, you're slandering God himself. So the agenda, I, I, just, I just underline, right? You know, in verse, uh, in, uh, verse uh, five, I would underline the word mortify in my Bible, right? Just put a line under that. And then in verse eight, underline the short phrase, put off. We need to put off all these. See, there's a way of living that stinks spiritually. And what you wanna do is you wanna, now that you're in Christ, you wanna take that off like the nasty clothes that you have on at the end of the day, right? At the end of a day, walking in this world, what happens? Um, By the time you get to the end of that day, you can kind of make an assessment and you can, I, what? At the end of a day, I stink. It's time to take off these clothes and it's time to get, to, to, I need a cleansing work and I need to put on new clothes because if I don't, I'm walking around buck naked and that's not good for anyone. And so I need, I need to take off these things like the nasty clothes that they are living life in the world. And so what are we talking about? Taking off, right? Putting off anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy. This is dealing with your attitude in the flesh, okay? This is critical. If you're taking notes, right? Verse eight, we need to deal with our attitude because that's gonna source and feed how we communicate. Matthew 12, 34, Jesus says it this way. O generation of vipers, how can ye being evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. You know why some people just speak nasty and evil and harsh and wickedly all the time? It's because in their heart, they have nasty, wicked, evil, right? It's in the core of them. Luke 6, 45, a good man out of the good treasure of his hearth bringeth forth that which is good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. Again, for of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaketh. 
So we need to deal with our attitude. We need, to, we need to put off anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy. It's not God's fault what we're going through. It's sin's fault. So we need to put that off so that we'll, we need to deal with our attitude so that we'll be proper in our speech. So that the action that comes out of our life and out of our mouth will glorify God. Why? Because whatever is in you, that's what will come out of you. If you have good treasure in your heart, well then goodness will come out of your out of your life in your mouth. If you have anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, well then you're gonna talk trash on God, on God's people. What's in you will come out of you. So filthy communication, we need to put that off. Filthy communication out of your mouth. Lying, verse nine, lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds. You don't walk in those stinky clothes. You don't walk in that stinky lifestyle anymore. Let me tell you something, the flesh is gonna make sure you can see all the reasons to speak harshly, to speak with filthy communication. It's gonna give you all the reasons to see why you should be lying on people. The flesh can see that some people actually deserve rough treatment from you. Have you ever noticed that? There are some people, when you look at them, you estimate them in the eyes with the mind of the flesh, you know that they've got it coming to them. And so, you know, talking bad, talking trash about them, well, that's only reasonable. Life is gonna give you reasons to rage at other people, and if you're not walking in the spirit, you're gonna think they're reasonable. Life isn't fair. Otherwise known as it didn't give you what you wanted, so life isn't fair. That means then the people that didn't give what, they're not fair, and so, you know, they've got what what I'm given coming to them. So you're gonna, you're gonna feel the flesh, life, is gonna make sure that you can feel like you deserve to be a filthy, lying, dirty, people mistreating, no-gooder. And it'll be right in the eyes and the mind of the flesh. How I mistreat people, it's only reasonable in the eyes and the mind of the flesh. It's not biblical. Romans 12, 17 says, recompense to no man evil for evil. Well, he perpetrated evil against me. Yeah, grow up. Recompense no man evil for evil. Provide honest, provide things honest in the sight of all men. But here's the problem, no. The old man is full of himself. He knows what he wants, why he wants it, so he feels like he should get it. Your flesh feels like it deserves what it wants, the way it wants, when it wants it, how it wants it. The old man is full, the flesh is full of himself. And of course, who you are in the flesh will want to speak to your wants, your importance, your needs, your issues. You, 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 me, 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 me. This is how the devil thinks. Have you ever read Isaiah chapter 14? Is it all about Jesus in Lucifer's mind in Isaiah chapter 14? No, it's all about me. Genius theologian Brian Regan figured this out and frames it eloquently. I like how when he's doing it, he goes all Cthulhu, you know. <laughs> Beware the me monster. 
Because he's going to show you all the ways that you ought to to abuse and mistreat the people that God has in your life. Okay, so we need to take off this wrong way of living. So we've put that off. Can't go through life naked. So what do we do next? Verse 10, we need to put on the right way. Verse 10 says, and put on. So underline that phrase, put on in your Bible. And have put on the new man. Put on Christ which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Well, how do I do that? How do I put on the new man, which is renewed in what? In knowledge after the image of him that created him. Okay, so how do I get conformed to the image of Christ, Romans chapter eight? We know that all things work together for good to them who love God, those who are called according to God's purpose, according to God's word. Everything in life that's happening, the good, the bad, the ugly, is all happening to show you that you can't satisfy God, you can't, you can't please God, your life cannot please him through the works, the reason, the logic of the flesh. The only way is for us to live Christ. Well, how do I get conformed to his image? Well, um, I, I, need, I need some knowledge slapped on me. Romans chapter 12 verse one tells me that I need to present my body a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God. That is my reasonable service. Now look at Romans 12 too. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed, right? Become something else, become something new, become something different. How? By the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I need, I need a, a consistent, I need a constant, I need a daily uptake of the mind, the word of God, so that I can now live the life that God has planned for me. I need to be renewed, I need to be transformed. So, I need to put on the new man. I do that by actually coming to the mirror of God's word. I examine God's word, my life in light of it and there are things that I have to believe on, there's things that I have to repent of, there's, there's gonna be discoveries made where I haven't mortified some area of the flesh and I need to say, okay, I'm dead to that, and for me to live now is Christ, God, I'm trusting you to do what only you can do in and through my life, and so by faith, I'm, instead of satisfying the will of the flesh, I'm gonna start obeying what your word says in this area of my life, and, and these decisions, they're made daily. I need to put on the new man. Okay, now it's renewed in the knowledge after the image of him that created him. I'm a new creature in Christ. This new creature that I became at the moment of my salvation, it's growing up, it's being matured. Daily I should be conformed more and more to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Not to the image of the world, look at verse 11. Where there is neither, right, the new man, Right, the image of Christ, there, there's neither Greek nor Jew. So race doesn't matter in Christianity. Well, I wanna follow Christ, but because of the color of my skin, I'm not getting a fair shake. And so now I have the reasons to actually facilitate the will of the, fl- no, there's neither Jew nor Greek. Race doesn't matter. Circumcision or uncircumcision. So religion, your religious background doesn't matter. Well, you know, but, but I've suffered because of my religious background and therefore it's okay to make man my enemy. No, religion doesn't matter. Barbarian, Scythian, so region. Region doesn't matter. Foreign or raging, right? Barbarian, foreigners, 
Scythians, everybody remembered what the Scythians did about 800 BC-ish. No, it doesn't matter. Where you're from doesn't matter, bond or free. Your personal resources, or lack thereof, does not matter. Employer or employee, it just doesn't matter. What matters? But Christ is all in all. See, the new man is not sourced It's not sourced from who you are after the flesh. The new man is sourced after it's in the person of Christ himself. So who you were in the flesh, that's what got you in trouble with God in the first place. So why keep going back there? There's no pride there. The new man, that's everything. Christ manifest in my life, that's gotta be everything. We're renewed in knowledge from the gospel to the precious precepts that pertain to godly living. We're renewed in the knowledge of him. So we can't forget, every day we gotta remember, we've been changed. I've been born again, I'm a new creature in Christ. I've got a new life, I've got a new family, I've got a new way of living. Now my flesh, it's incorrigible. It's always gonna want what it wants, the way it wants it, how it wants it, when it wants it. And if it doesn't get it, it's gonna be offended and it's gonna have reasons to rage. Sucker gotta die. What you want, forget it, (laughs) right? Uh, A shovel to the head of the will of the flesh. Mortify it. I reject what my flesh wants. Christ, what is your will over my life? That's everything. Now, the people in this church, let's bring it home. Let's get the rubber on the road. Everyone who is born again that's a part of MBT, guess what? We are now part of Jesus himself. Did you know that? I mean, you can look around and you can't see it. What you see is a bunch of dudes and dudettes in the flesh. So you can't see it with the physical eye. And they're sitting there in proximity and you smell them, you see them, and you think you know them, but you don't, you don't know the half of it, okay? You can't see them seated together in heavenly places in Christ at the right hand of the Father, but that's where they are. You can't see who God has made them to actually be in the person of Jesus Christ. We are his people. We are his, the person, the believer sitting next to you. You may say, this is my wife, this is my husband, this is my child, this is my friend, this is my, this is my beau, this is my, ga-. no. They're, they belong to Jesus himself. They're his life, they're his body, his bride, they're his. Okay, now conversely, think about your life. Can anyone on any level see Jesus in you? Like if somebody was to to describe your life, let's say you croak over, I mean we just have to call the coroner uh, to close out the service, okay? You just croaked over in the middle of this message and we plan your, your, your funeral service Will people stand at the front of this room and talk about how they could see Christ in you? Will that be how they describe, can anyone see Jesus in you? If not, why is that, why not? What happens is, is we'll forget, we're like little children, we forget to mortify the old man. <laughs> and remember, he's always wanting what he wants, the way he wants it, when he wants it, how he wants it, and if he doesn't get it, he's all hacked off at anyone and everything, including God whatever he views as responsible for his difficult circumstances in life. I lost my job, right? I lost a key relationship. We lost the baby. We lost the opportunity to buy the home, to get the job, whatever it is. God, why are you treat me this way? So how you treat people, how you respond in those moments, right? 
how you treat people that are, they, they themselves, they're being, they're a work in progress, they're being conformed to the image of Christ, how do you treat those who have not yet arrived? Because brother or sister, people cause problems. Everyone is in a spiritual battle. This is why the Bible tells us we know no man after the flesh, because man in the flesh, they're gonna, they're gonna put us off, okay? So we need, we need verse 12, put on therefore, underline that phrase, put on in your Bible. Put on therefore as the elect of God, because that believer, that's what you are. Holy and beloved, because that's what you are. What do we put on? Bowels of mercies, bowels of mercies. Uh, maybe the easiest hack to keep that straight in your mind is that's compassion from the core. Uh, have you ever, have you ever uh, said something and in the moment you said it, you're like, because <laughs> you can see it on the face of the person, like you wounded them to their core. And you remember being physically sick in your stomach when you hurt someone? Does it, how many know what I'm talking about? How many non-psychopaths in the room? Like in your core, you knew you had just really hurt this person. And you're like, I wish I could bring it back, I wish I could bring it back, and, but it's already out there. What's happening is, is the bowels of compassion are trying to activate in your life, right? This is, this is built into you. Uh, bowels of compassion, bowels of mercy, compassion from the core, kindness, humbleness of mind. Put on humbleness of mind, meekness, Meekness is quiet calm. That's, that's the power that you have, the strength that you have. You're keeping that under control. You just don't hulk out on people who deserve it. Long-suffering. Uh, we know what long-suffering is, right? We can define that just from the word. It's your ability to suffer for a long time. Long-suffering. You can put up with a lot for a long time. So what are you doing? Verse 12, again, you're deciding to deal with your attitude. Right, that's the inward decision because what your attitude is, that's gonna inform your actions. What's in you is what's gonna come out of you. So what's the resulting action? If my attitude is right in verse 12, verse 13, what comes out? Forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity. Underline put on in verse 14, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. You know, charity, the bond of maturity. So verse 13 says we gotta, we gotta put up with one another. We gotta forbear and we, we gotta forgive all in the person of Christ's love. This is the inner man, this is the person of Christ manifest outwardly. Jesus modeled it for us, didn't he? When the creator came. We butchered him, creation butchered him. In his agony of being butchered on the cross of Calvary, what did Jesus say? Luke 23, 34, and Jesus, then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his garments, or his raiment, and cast lots. So here he is, broken and bleeding, buck naked, which again, that's, uh, he's supposed to be covered the shame of the nakedness of our sin, right? Exposed at the cross of Calvary. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Man, that's love. That's, that's, the, that's the love of Christ. That's fervent, godly, Christ-like charity. See, anyone who damages you, they don't know 
what they're doing, do they? Because if they could see how they're treating you from God's perspective, they wouldn't have done that. Uh, Their bowels of compassion, right? Their bowels of mercy would have activated. They wouldn't have done that. Uh, They don't know what they're doing. They can't really see it. So you have to put on sacrificial love. One of the greatest, again, you know, the big moments in in the, the, you know, where, you know how uh, in video games you level up and you get more resources, more capacity, more power, uh, more tools, you, you know, there's more stuff in your backpack. Nerds know what I'm talking about, right? Okay, so you, you level up, okay. So the times where our marriage has leveled up, Cheryl and I, stereotypically, it's Cheryl is the one that levels up. Women mature faster than men, it's just, kind of a known thing. So um, this was one of those deals, you know? We used to, the way we used to communicate to one another would be when you blah, 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 you know, when you did this to me, uh, it made me really mad. So there would would be, you know, a loving accusation, trial, conviction, and uh, you know, sentencing. You know, that's how we would respond to one another over hurts, perceived hurts, and, and uh, you know, why did you, whatever it is, uh, why, why would you, why, why did you, you, you it's, it's accusing, right? So we were accuser of the brethren. And, you know, women mature quicker than men, and so my wife, uh, she, she comes to me one day and she says, I know that you would never hurt me on purpose. I know that. I know you love me. I know you would never ever try to hurt me. But when this happened, I just want you to know it really hurt. And it broke my heart. <laughs> I realized, you know what? She's right. I, wouldn't, I don't want to hurt her on purpose, but I knew what I was doing when I said what I said or I did what I did. And man, that was wicked of me. And so her coming to me in meekness and humility, humbleness of mind, suffering me long, right? Long suffering toward me. I know, Sam, I know you would never try to hurt me on purpose, but when you did this, when you said that, I just want you to know it really hurt. And that was it. I mean, man, she just keeps beating me to those level up moments, you know, in our marriage. But that's, that's it right there. Anybody that hurts you, if they really could see it for what it is, they wouldn't do it. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. So put on sacrificial love. And the Bible calls this the bond of maturity. It's the bond of perfectness. Bond of perfectness. Look at that. Bond of perfectness. What you're doing is you're, you're binding your life. You're putting on a shackle. It's like, a, it's like handcuffs or prison chains or a tendon that binds your joints together. It's a bond that comes from putting on a Christ-level love, right, that forces us to be mature even though those around us may not be treating us the way that they're supposed to. So that's the question on the floor this morning is will you decide that you're with Jesus, you're in with Jesus, you're with Christ, it, you're in with him on the life and the people that he's placed you in. Lord, you've put, you put, you put some characters in my life. <laughs> I, need the, I need charity. I need a Christ-level love. I'm in. And, and, I'm, and life is gonna come at me like a spider monkey. The people in it are gonna hurt me. I'm in. 
I'm in. I can get hurt all day long. I can get hurt all the, every time I turn around. I can get hurt. I can suffer loss. I can suffer rejection. I'm in because you're with me in it. Verse 15 says, you come to this place, look at this, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts. If you'll just do, right, verses 12 through 14, well then you're gonna enjoy verse 15. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also you're called in one body, and be ye thankful. So there you have it. Since you have it, since you have the person of Christ in your life, submit to the life that he's called you to, because you're part of something bigger You're part of someone bigger. You're part of something bigger than yourself. Yield to that. We're commanded the same in Ephesians chapter four. Ephesians four verse one commands us to walk worthy of the vocation wherewith we're called. So we should put on some things, right? Verse two, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Enjoy the peace of God that's with you. There's one body, one Spirit, even as you're called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. This is a, this is a great key in Christian living that, that is, you can know it intellectually, but, but tactically, practically living it out in your life, it's a battle. Uh, if I see who I am, what I have in Christ, I can be full of joy in prison, because he's with me there. And the characters that I have around me, I can, I can love them, and I can say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Uh, but that's the battle, that's the command. It's not fair, I don't feel like I should be treated this way. I don't feel like sister so-and-so should have said that. I don't feel like brother what's-his-face should have done that. In my flesh, I'm gonna have every reason to revile and to despise people. I gotta decide I'm with God, uh, that God is with me. I, de- I have to decide I'm gonna put on Christ and I'm gonna view people the way he does. God's with me. You know, that's the heaven of heaven, right? Oh, it'll be worth it all when we see Jesus. That's true, but it's worth it all now. Do you believe, can you reckon, can you account that Christ dwells in your heart by faith? Can you believe that God himself is in you and working through you? Because that's heaven, bro. That's heaven, sis. Like, will we receive it? And then notice the last command, be ye thankful. It's a command. So that's a choice on your part. Will you obey? When you see who God is in your life and where he's placed you in life, you're called into one body, will you become thankful or vain? Will you become thankful or foolish? Will you be thankful in submission to the Lord Jesus Christ or or will you reject the person of Christ in your life and follow your flesh? That's what the lost do. In Romans chapter one verse 21, it says when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imagination and their foolish heart was darkened. And what do they do in Romans chapter one? Instead of worshiping and submitting to the will of the creator over their life, they worship the creature. And the same thing happens to God's people. This is why a Christian in the flesh, a Christian full of bitterness in life, a Christian following the will of the flesh, there's nothing sadder. 
becoming vain in their imagination. Instead of worshiping the creator, it's all about the creature. So that's the question this morning. Can you honestly say, man, I'm at peace, I'm thankful. Or is your life full of rebellion and bitterness, full of riot against God and man? Are you at war against flesh and blood? You know, verses 16 through 25, and I'm just gonna give this to you as homework. Uh, you see how this principle plays out in our relationships. So that's your homework, okay? Everything that we looked at today, uh, how does that play out in your relationships? Am I putting off, am I mortifying the will of the flesh, and am I putting on the new man? Am I living Christ in my relationships? So wives, in verse 18, um, where are you at in your relationship with your husband? Husbands, where are you at in your relationship with your wives? Or are you bitter against your wife? You're commanded not to be. Children, where are you at with your parents? Parents, with your children, where are you at? Servants, employees, where are you at with your boss? Are you thankful or are you bitter? Because whatever is in you, that's what's coming out of you. And if you're not mortifying the flesh, if you're codifying it, if you're promoting the will of the flesh, the members of your flesh, well then bitterness is coming out of you because life refuses to be fair to you. If Christ, if you're putting on Christ, if Christ is your, well you're gonna be thankful. What is coming out of your life this morning? Ephesians four, I'll just give this to you as a continued cross-reference. Again, it's a similar principle. We need to be conformed to the image of Christ. We need to live Christ. Then how do we live? Well, what comes out of our mouth ought to be right. It ought to be not corruption, but edifying. Ephesians 4, 29. We shouldn't be grieving the Holy Spirit. We should be keeping the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There shouldn't be bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking in our, uh, we gotta put that away with all malice. We can't have malice toward our fellow man. We need to be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. We, Christian, are to live Christ. Every day we have to make the decision that we're gonna put on the new man and we need to love and care for one another God's way. Why? So that we'll get love and care in return? You may not get any. You know you could actually live Christ in every relationship and not get any reciprocal treatment, right? It may not be fair at all. You may do all of the right things and life and the people in life just keep abusing you. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. We need to put on the new man. We need to do it, not, not for what we'll get in return. We'll have peace in return. And we can decide to be thankful, but we do it because this is what God made us for. Do you know that evil men and evil days are only gonna wax worse and worse? That's what our Bible tells us. So we need to be in the middle of God's word. We need to be in the middle of God's will over our lives. Because you never know, your ability to respond to trial and mistreatment, your ability to respond in the person and the word, in the work of Christ, may be the thing that God uses to mature your brother or sister. Read Ephesians 4. Read how you are responsible to build up your brother or sister in Christ in their faith. Every member of Midtown Baptist Temple, God's designed you to be a minister well, you can't do that if you're reacting in the flesh all the time. What is coming out of you? What is coming out of your life? Out of the abundance of your heart, that's what your mouth will speak, that's what your members will do. What's in you this morning? I'd like us to bow our heads, I'd like us to humble ourselves before the Lord together this morning.
And I'd ask that nobody be moving around. We've got plenty of time. And I'd ask that you would take this part of the service and that you would take responsibility for it. So Thanksgiving, every year, this is a time where we render back thanks to God over his, I mean, just the manifold blessings that he saw fit to put, well, you don't understand what a rough year it's been. The last 18 months, man, hell on earth. (laughs) At a minimum, can you not say, I am full of joy and peace and love because I've got the Spirit of God in my life? Well, yeah, I can, except, you know, pastor, if you knew how this brother, this sister, my landlord, my boss, my neighbor, whatever it is, my my family member, my husband, my wife, if you knew what they did to me, you wouldn't be so trite. And again, all I can do is point you to the person of Christ. I know what we did to him. And And his response was, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. He suffered long. He forbore a lot. He forgave a lot. He loved a lot. We, with all of my heart, if evil men in evil days are gonna wax worse and worse, how desperately do we need to manifest the life and the person of Christ? That is the only hope that your marriage has. That is the only hope that your children have. That is the only hope that your fellow employees, your schoolmates, that's their only hope is for them to see Christ in you. If evil men in evil days are gonna just keep increasing and waxing worse and worse, don't you know your brother and sister in this place need your edifying, right, your faith building presence in their life? You need to be fitly joined to this body. Stop attending this church and be a member. Stop playing Christian and live Christ, engage. You've only got right now, you've only got this moment, you've only got today to put off the old man and live Christ. Whatever's in you, that's what's coming out of you. And that explains the way you talk to your wife and your kids. That explains the way you treat your husband and your sisters in Christ. That explains what you do when nobody else is watching. Because you're not, you're comfortable. You know, people can get comfortable in their stench, can't they? You're like, oh, I don't smell it. It's like, no, take a bath, change your clothes, wash your clothes. You are an offense, all right? But we have the ability to get used to our own stink. Well, I'm comfortable in the, in the work of the flesh. It's not a sweet savor to the Lord. I wanna present my body a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to the Lord. I can't do that in the power of my flesh. All I can do is yield myself and say, God, your will be done. How many would say that with me this morning? Pastor, I have not been putting off the old man. I've not been mortifying the members of the flesh. And that has to start today. I need God's grace for that. Pastor, would you pray for me? Can I see your hands? So there's a number. Okay, we, we can't play at it. This can't be a James proposition where we come to God's word and we recognize what's wrong and then we leave and we forget what manner of person we are. This, if, if we're saying, I need to quit following the flesh, you need to get accountable to start following the spirit. You need to get accountable to start, start following the word and the person of Christ. So I'm gonna pray for you 
For some of you, you need to go straight to the discipleship counter and get plugged in. You need to get accountable in the word of God. Others of you, you need to go to your fellowship. If you're not in a Sunday fellowship, what is wrong with that? You need to plug in. Don't be in a room this big where you can just come in and come out and not be accountable. Visit our Sunday fellowships till you find your fit, till you find your place, and then plug in. Get in one of the Bible studies, okay? You need brothers and sisters in your life who know your name, who are willing to walk out your mess with you and hold you accountable to live Christ. You desperately need that. Others of you, you need some good old-fashioned repentance and you need counseling. You need, you need repentance. We wanna meet with you down front, okay? If you need to know what the word of God says about your particular situation, then as soon as we start worshiping together, I want you to come forward and we wanna meet with you with the word of God. Are there any here that would say, Pastor, pray for me? I don't know that I'm saved. I don't know that I'm born again. I don't know that Christ is my savior. I don't know that God is my father. I don't know that, I don't know for sure that I'm going to heaven when I die. Pastor, please, can you pray for me? Is there anybody like that in this service? I'm not sure that I'm saved. Please pray for me. Is there anyone? Okay, yes sir. Anybody else? Pastor, please pray for me. I don't know that I'm saved. I'm not sure that I have a a right relationship with God the Father through Christ the Son. Is there anyone else? I know there's more in a room this big. I know for a fact there are more. Okay, yes sir. Thank you. Anyone else? Okay, yep, I see you sis. Okay, yeah, I see you. I'll pray for you. Anyone else? Four more since, yes ma'am, okay. Yeah, I see you. Five more since I first asked. Is there anyone else? I don't know that I'm saved. I don't know that Christ is in my life. How would I live Christ when I don't know that he's in my heart, that, I, that, that Christ is part of my life? Pastor, please pray for me. Is there anyone else? I'm gonna pray for you. The Bible says today is the day of salvation and there is no other name given under heaven but the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the name given among men whereby we must be saved. The Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. Why do we perish? Well, we perish because we're sinners and the wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We don't perish, we have eternal. We have everlasting life in the person of Christ. And so I wanna invite you, when we, when we begin to worship together, I want you to come forward with those who are seeking prayer and counsel, and let's just get the Bible open and give your life to Christ. Call on the Lord to forgive your sin. Ask him to come into your heart and life to save you and he will, you will be saved today, you'll be born again today, you'll be a new creature in Christ. Now, you know, new creatures make messes, but man, it's new life, and you'll start growing in Christ, it's a wonderful thing, and uh, that's what we're here for, is to help you grow. 
Father, you see us and you see our need. Lord, for all of us, it's just a constant daily battle to put off the old man and, and to put on the new, to decide to mortify the will and the deeds of the flesh. God, help us to not play at it, but to be accountable in that process. You did not design any of us to serve and to follow you by ourselves. There are no successful Rambo Christians. Um, Lord, you, you, you set it up, you designed it so that we have to have, we desperately need one another. And so God, I'm asking in Jesus' name that Lord, today would be a day where brothers and sisters would get accountable to start walking out their faith. Uh, Lord, for those who have been working at it for many years, uh, Lord, every day, your mercies are new every day. Uh, there's, new, there's daily grace, there's moment by moment grace. Lord, help us to confess who you are. Let's agree with your word over who you are uh, over and in and through our lives. And, and so, Lord, we just confess that we need you. Lord, help us to be wise, to mortify the old man and to put on the new man. Lord, to, when we see the will of the flesh manifest, to, to, to biblically name it for what it is and reject it. And then to, what's, what's, what's the thing that takes its place? And to focus on that, uh, to agreeing with your word, to following your Holy Spirit and how our lives are to be lived for your glory. Lord, we need that. The people in our lives need that. Lord, help us. And then for the five or six that are saying, they don't know that they're born again, that they're saved. Some may be. Lord, they need the assurance of their salvation. I pray that they get it today, that they'd, they'd, they'd leave this place today not wondering whether or not they're saved, but knowing based on what your word says whether or not they're saved. Lord, today, your word says, is the day of salvation. And so, Lord, I ask right now in Jesus' name that decisions would be made, that souls would be saved, that it be all to your glory. Lord, we need you. God, help us to acknowledge we need you at work in our lives, and we trust you for that all in the mighty and the powerful name of Jesus Christ. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. Have your way today. Amen.